Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. I'm one of the many Matts. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now and in prison? Welcome, everybody, question mark, question mark, yeah. So, uh, we're very excited to have someone on the podcast who I know not at all. We got a we got a DM from our good friend Diana, and she suggested him, and I, we took a look at his project and was like, this is freaking cool, and exactly the kind of thing that we are into. This is like total digitally rare bait. So, Abe Uccello, welcome to the podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Abe, can you start by, I always like to start by explaining, I want to hear all about you, but I'd like to start by explaining your project first so people can know upfront, like what it is that you're doing and, and, and how cool it is. Sure. Um, It's a big concept and where to begin is always a challenge. Uh, So to introduce the concept really is that we have more than 2 million people incarcerated in prisons and jails. About 30% of those are released every year. When they come home, those individuals have legal financial obligations and debts associated with their lives as a result of their incarceration, such as child support payments, restitution payments, court fees, legal fees, these kinds of things. And so they come home not only dealing with the burden of how do I support myself or my family, but also how do I pay these bills? 90% of states will reincarcerate people for missing one payment. Jesus. And so this cycle of suffering is kind of built into our addiction to incarceration in the U.S. And so the idea was that taking advantage of a lot of programs that are already existing in prisons uh, that utilize art and writing, there's many volunteers, great people working with the incarcerated uh, every single day was to be able to mint and auction or sell those artwork as a narrative of, you know, that person's significant life, even though incarcerated, and then use the funds to pay those legal financial obligations. And so what we're doing with the project is uh, not only are we minting the art, and selling it, but we're also attaching any narratives, media, stories to the NFT that will travel for the life of that uh, NFT, you know, mm-hmm. wherever it goes, owner to owner, uh, forever combining the narrative of debt and restoration, you know, mm-hmm. of that person's life and someone else's contribution to that restoration of that person's life. And then essentially the proceeds go to pay the legal financial obligations. So hopefully they come home debt free. And on top of that, whoever the partner was, they get some portion of those proceeds as well. And then uh, there's a treasury that is established with prison art so that 10% of the proceeds come back to the treasury. And as the community develops, the community gets to decide on how to fund future and more projects. All of this is done transparently and openly. And so another aspect of this is having dealt with a lot of nonprofits where a lot of money ah. is obfuscated, right. you know, behind doors and in overhead and salaries and these kinds of things was to create also, you know, a working example of a completely transparent nonprofit organization that, you know, a record of everything we do is available and visible online uh, from our bank account to open collective. Uh, you know, you can see actual transaction history where everybody's getting paid, 
how decisions are being made, those kinds of things. That's awesome. I was drawn to this idea immediately for so many reasons, not the least of which is it's such a perfect use of NFTs, I feel like. You know, we see mm. so many uses and it's like, you know, and Matt and I have been in this game a long time and we've seen we've seen so many ideas come and go and and this has all the hallmarks of the thing that we always talk about, which is like, you know, a pro an NFT project sort of needs a point for existing. You know what I mean? It's like we don't we don't just need like another another like 10,000 whatever animal picture thing. We don't just need some random piece of art necessarily, but the story of not only these artworks that were created in prison, you know, and then the story that goes along with that of, like you were saying, the story of like restitution and, and you know, new beginnings, basically. It's just, a, yeah. it's just, a, it's a perfect, it's a perfect use case for, for NFTs. Yeah, I like that quite a lot. It's actually, it, it's horrifying to hear the mix of America's addiction to uh, <laughs> prisons and also the intersection of capitalism, people yes. going back to prison because of inabilities to pay a debt. That's because they went to prison. That's insane. That's literally yeah. insane. Like, it's how wild. did we get here? And this seems very, uh, very empowering to like remove that, that like literal tie. I think a lot of people don't realize that there's so much debt. Right. Yeah. That I, I exists as a result. And I think. This project really raises awareness, probably more than anything, oh, yeah. about the nature of uh, this economic tethering that happens even after you're released and you've already paid your dues, but you really quite haven't. And so even things like in some states, you know, you're not allowed to vote right. until those right. payments have been made. And so like, there's so many other little pieces of restoration and just right. becoming a member of society and community and home again, you know, that I think this can bring a lot of awareness and create other hopeful policy changes mm -hmm. as a result. And meanwhile, joyfully subvert the status quo, you know, one of the big issues is that you're not allowed to earn an income right. when you're incarcerated, right? So, but there's still, there's billions of dollars of this debt in municipalities, local governments and whatnot that are, yeah. right, goes unpaid. And we just keep adding to the debt, like as somebody who lives in community, I'm paying for more and more of that <laughs> right. debt too. We all are. Right. So this is a, a great way to kind of appease everybody. You know, the municipalities get what they want, which is the payment of those debts. Uh, the incarcerated gets to come home, hopefully debt free. Uh, we increase the number of programs, art programs in prison, right. which is therapeutic. Um, you know, families and generational individuals associated with the incarcerated, you know, also feel the effects of the cause of that restoration and, and liberty. Can actually, you give right? us a sense, like on a per person basis, what, like, like, what is a typical debt look like for us? For, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it varies wildly, but just like, give us an example of like, mm -hmm. what kind of numbers are we talking about? Per, uh, just like, I, you know, someone who's just getting out of prison, what are they facing? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I think on average, the statistics show average debt somewhere around $7,000 right. per person. You know, but as an example, the Genesis launch that we're preparing for right now, this particular uh, uh, woman, in order to prove her innocence, 
paid over $150,000 in legal fees. Yeah. Right. And this is somebody who never had $150,000. And didn't, and didn't commit a crime. She proved her innocence. She did. She, yeah. (laughs) Correct. Oh Lord. Yeah. So it just depends. And it depends on the nature of the crime. It depends on the jurisdiction. Like if you were arrested, you know, it's unfortunate to say this, but depending on your cultural background and what part of the country you're arrested in and, what type of judge you had and what type of jury you had and those types of things, you know, determines the severity of the sentence as well as the, um, you know, the cost of those obligations. And in some cases, you know, I'd seen situations where, you know, unfortunately state's attorneys and prosecutors would intentionally release somebody knowing that they would go commit a crime again, just so that they could rearrest them on the back end and put them away for a longer period of time. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's a pretty sick it's a pretty sick sick world that we live in. The systemic thing is what's getting me. It's like when you're not allowed to owe to earn an income, but then you have debt when you get out. It's like you get both of. Yeah, there's like, a lot cool, of people that are incarcerated game, but for you can't, you can't play it. Um, it's it's so you know activity related to drug right, addiction, as an example. Right. So when you get out of prison one of the number one things you're supposed to do is begin treatment right. for your drug addiction, you know, right. or continue treatment. And in many cases, people right. end up with co-occurring disorders. So they have a mental health or behavioral health disorder now in conjunction with trauma, in conjunction with the substance mm-hmm. abuse. There's so many battles yeah. people are fighting, you know, every day. And in America, it's like one in 13 people, one in 12 people, you know, this was as yeah. of like five years ago was justice involved, right? So like, you know, you're in line at right. at your coffee shop. Right. Somebody in that line has One been involved in the justice system. Lordy, yeah. So when you add yeah. the debt on top of that, you know, and most people are coming out of prison making right. $15 an hour, wow. you know, if somebody would hire them. So it'd have to be specifically a second chance employer is going to hire you. So, you know, the time that I worked in the prison system, what I saw as the greatest obstacle to recidivism or repeat offenses was the fact that people felt like there was no way out. Right. And, you know, the lesser of two evils was going back to prison, take my chances, and maybe I score big on whatever it is I'm about to do, or I take my chances, I'm going to go back anyway. And at least I have three square meals a day and a roof over my head. Mm. You know, it, and it strikes me too. Another aspect of your project is you can't make money. You can't. You can't have a job while you're in prison, but you can make this art. And if you have, you you know, you can be creative. You can use. And then when you come out, maybe there's this path now that you're trying to create for. You know, you you were able the the work that you were able to do, such as it was creating art of some kind in prison can now help you pay the debts that you have. So it's almost like, it's almost like an end run. It's like an end run around the the Kafkaesque bureaucracy and, you know, catch-22-ness of it all. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think, um, you know, and it changes right. by jurisdiction. I mean, the joyful right? subversion so, is such you know, a great phrase for that. We've been working yeah. on this project for a year. Yeah. Different jurisdictions have different regulations. Some are easier than others, you know, and we started out originally talking about art programs and sort of like this custodial nature of handling the art on behalf of the incarcerated or the volunteer partner doing that or whatever the case is. And what we quickly realized is is that, you know, all of the stuff that's happening in prison really is art. You know, so as an example, 
um, you may not have access to a prison yeah. art program because of your custody huh. level, right? Uh, and depending on what you've done, you're not able to have access to education or other betterment services. Yeah, yeah. It's astonishing, right? But the, but, but the reality is that, you know, everybody under law has a right to be able to write home, right? So there's a ton of art that family members have that is sketch work and kind of patches of experiences, poetry and prose, yeah. such amazing pieces of narratives of people's lives, like real human beings, that I think if we can connect people to this awareness, I really believe in the triumph of humanism, Yeah, where people can really like create empathy. And to create empathy on this project is not disconnected from the empathy we need everywhere around the world. What inspired you to go down this route and find this joyful subversion? Like what's, uh, yeah, what's your background and why did this call to you? Yeah, uh, it feels a little bit like Forrest <laughs> Gump, but I, uh, I was uh, accepted into Colonel Block 3 last year. That's really where I started um, working on an adventure in that classwork uh, based on prison system. Prior to that, I had been working in the system for some years, and uh, I was the director of the third largest prison system in the country. And so I saw many things. Uh, you know, during that period of time. And my background was enterprise technology. So I was really looking at you know, probably more of a systems guy and trying to figure out how to connect dots. And so this particular prison system, 16,000 employees, it was the largest state agency, even larger than the Department of Education, a two and a half billion dollar budget. I mean, it was just in growing, you know, and the mental health services were inadequate. And uh, you know, we launched a project. One of our uh, advisors on the prison art project uh, is this professor from Florida State University, uh, Dave Gussick. And uh, Dave and I worked together to start the first art therapy program in the Florida prison system. And the benefits we saw coming out of that were just phenomenal. Um, and the benefits we saw, how it, those benefits accrued to the families as well of the incarcerated was phenomenal and the ability to tell a story. So when I left the prison system, uh, I had started, I had a few startups uh, trying to help with re-entry of the incarcerated. And I was really fascinated by Web3 and blockchain in general and trying to figure out how a community that was excluded could become inclusive without, you know, kind of anonymously without branding anybody. You know, it seemed like the brands that people come home with, you know, even like hiring people, you're either a second chance employer or you're not. Well, why, why can't you just be an employer? You know, like, so anyway, so all of these things, when I, when I finally found um, that kernel block and meeting just some amazing minds across the planet and projects and really just took a deeper dive, I started thinking about how to use art as a way to express this tying together of the narrative, you know, between, you know, our stories and economic freedom. And this seemed like it could work. Yeah, I really like the, um, the sort of empowerment focused thing where you're making art and telling a story. And that is, you know, financial that ties yeah. into financial um, freedom, especially when it comes to like using these digital objects to encapsulate that story and make it tangible. And persistent. And yeah, like you were mentioning before the sort of 
the the the, the part the role that each person plays in co-creating that story is made tangible over time by this digital piece of art i think that's really cool i think you're right in that the it, it helps a lot with awareness um because i guess i knew in theory that there was something like this happening but not uh, not in so specific of a way and also not in a way that i thought that i had any any way to affect but now given this framing and this like digital object and tying into the psychology of owning pieces of art and all of that it's become much more accessible yeah and it is um you know it's open source code you know so it's it is public goods and that's that's i think that's really neat i have some of the most amazing uh, co-founders with me, uh, Holly Grimm and uh, Andy Tudhope. Um, and they just have been phenomenal from helping to architect the solution to, awesome. you know, writing the contracts and the code. It's just been uh, mm-hmm. absolutely incredible working with them. And, uh, you know, I think it also is sort of an experiment of any social good, social impact, uh, or cause impact that someone's trying to do with an NFT. And so like the codes there, you know, just fork it and, and start doing it, you know, let's, let's change the world. Right. Totally. I mean, this is a really great example of being able to like pull together a lot of these different technologies and produce something that, you know, enacts change in the real, real world. I, um, was looking at the code and noticed that it's a custom Zora auction house um, using the K-Spec standard for metadata so that you can update it over time. And each of those updates is logged on chain. Like all of these pieces come together and they all perform a really important role in the story you're trying to tell. And that's that's really, really cool to see. Yeah, I think the one of the best things that we get with these new ways of thinking and systems is an immutable eternal narrative that... Um, I think for disadvantaged in general, uh, or people that are marginalized as a result of crimes or trauma or whatever it is that they've experienced in their life, their stories are overwritten. And one of the things that we can do in this new world is ensure that those narratives uh, are pure and remain the truth, you know, from that person's perspective. And they can't just be overwritten by a policy or not heard, if you will or somehow diluted. You mentioned that, is it the first drop of, uh, uh, the sort of first ever drop of this is is happening? Or can, can you walk us through like how exactly the mechanics of it work and how, like, you know, the different steps? And now I'm looking at the Git, GitHub and I'm seeing this cool chart. And so yeah, see if you could like walk us through, <laughs> uh, if you know, people won't be able to see it, but if you can just sort of walk us through how how the system works. Yeah, no, I, I think um, essentially from the collection side, you know, there's an artist that is incarcerated or formerly incarcerated, and they provide their artwork. And, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of tempted to talk about this first Genesis drop. Oh, okay, okay, that's yet, fair. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't you don't got to drop the alpha if you if you're not ready. If you're not ready, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, just generally speaking, the art is collected and minted on behalf of, of the incarcerated or formerly incarcerated. And then any extras are also attached to that, to that NFT, right? So in some cases, it could be a video. 
In some cases, it could be um, audio recording. It could be some poetry. It could be family photos, whatever the case is, but kind of a a uh, montage, if you will, that can be attached to that NFT. The NFT is auctioned. At the point of sale, the proceeds are automatically programmed to be split according to the agreement that's pre-established. So, and that can be anything. So, you know, depending on the jurisdiction, we wanted to remain flexible. So, for instance, we're working with uh, the Bureau of Prisons with uh, their Supermax facility in the middle of the Colorado desert. And those individuals are only allowed to receive $300 per sale, mm. right, maximum, as a result of their regulations and their restrictions. In other locations, there is no limit, you know. So we wanted to leave that open and flexible. And if there was somebody who was previously incarcerated and now they're released and they're out in community and they have some art that they would like to put through the prison art project, you know, they're not subject to any requirements and they could just begin to use it to pay those legal financial obligations and then start to participate in Web3 and make a career out of it or fund their own, you know, nonprofit or whatever the case is, right? So we wanted to leave those percentages flexible, but generally speaking, the original idea was 70% would go to pay uh, legal financial obligations, 20% would go to a community partner that was involved if there was one involved, and then 10% would come to the prison art treasury, which would you know, be open and transparent and where everyone in the community uh, would come together and basically advance new projects or existing projects that are promoting prison artwork. That's really cool that a lot of those uh, legal obligations and requirements can be encoded on chain. And I imagine that's useful from a, um, a transparency perspective, but also like a, you know, you as the project actually don't have to worry about, um, you know, uh, infringing on those rules once the smart contract has been written up. Um, that's, that's quite interesting. That seems really powerful. And it's super helpful because you have no idea how many of these jurisdictions are like, well, how are you using the money? And it's crypto. Yeah. We've heard that people are... Yeah. Right. drugs with right. crypto. Right, right, right. Crypto, crypto just equals, no, crypto no, just equals can, drug trafficking. Yeah, yeah, right. More criminal activity or something, yeah, right? So uh, this is fascinating because now you can actually show transparently, you know, the chain of events that are occurring and where all the money's going. Now, because none of the local jurisdictions accept crypto, except maybe Miami in the U.S. or something, mm -hmm. right? You know, the challenge is, you know, how do we move the money? So at the point to which mm -hmm. we get the funds, the funds go into um, uh, Gnosis Safe. From the Gnosis Safe, uh, you know, multi-sig, we disperse the funds according to how they were encoded. So if somebody already has, you know, a crypto account set up, a wallet, we can just send to that address. Uh, and if not, then we move everything through um, uh, basically, it's a Mercury uh, bank account API that uh, transparently shows where all the money is going uh, at all times. And then we just, just like any other sort of ACH payment, we make that ACH payment on behalf of the individual to that local jurisdiction for that debt. Mm -hmm. And that's done through the 501c3 that you'll have in Florida. Yes. Um, and then there's and then there's a the prison art fund now. Is that is that part of it? Is there a DAO component here? Will there be a DAO component? Have you thought about that at all? Um, or 
or is it or is it more just a, a fund and and who who ultimately gets to decide i guess i guess that's the question that i have in terms of like how dow how dow is it who gets to decide um what happens <laughs> with the 10 percent that goes into the art the sort of art fund yeah it's a great question you know so when i originally was thinking about the project you know of course really wide-eyed and wanted to take over the world and everything and you know, Andy was really, really um, so helpful in helping sort of scale back the idea and said, let's just do yeah, one thing yeah. really, really well. And so we just started focusing on this aspect of it, knowing that down the road, there's going to have to be a DAO. There's going to have to be a community and how that community, the mindfulness behind how that community gets built, you know, is like crucial, right? Because again, this whole idea of exclusion and inclusion and names and brands and anonymity yep. and all of that. Uh, is going to be a really fascinating experiment in and of itself, right? So uh, at this point right now, the 10% going into the treasury is going to be held until the DAO is created. Oh, nice. Okay. And any funds that come in for that matter beyond, you know, our gas fees and everything else for just, you know, operating, of which, by the way, there are no other fees. Right. <laughs> uh, everybody's contributing to this project. It's a gift. Like nobody draws a salary on this project. Nobody. So it really is just a gift. Just pay, just pay the gas fee. Yeah. You know what I mean? So outside of those incremental costs associated with just operating, uh, you know, the funds will just remain there until the DAO is created. I, I did have a wonderful conversation with somebody the other day who has already, they have a carceral publication that is a collection of writings from incarcerated folks all over the world. And they have a beautiful plan for a DAO uh, related to uh, the incarcerated, their families and communities around them that I think could really be a great place for this to land and live, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was going to, I was just thinking in my head, like one could, you, you were talking about, you know, the possibility of it not just being the sort of one-off thing where maybe they, they, they start selling some art and then there's, there's sort of a path a web three path for someone and i was a mat you know, yeah and you can Would imagine i mean i'm sure as as i'm sure you have one could imagine a dow made up of the collectors and the artists you know and you know you like you're saying you do you, you do want to be very mindful of how you do that like like um collectors can sometimes i speak from experience have weird expectations of like what that what that means to be a collector. But, you know, one could imagine a DAO. And in fact, you know, what this all also makes me think of is, to me, a famous tweet. It's a famous tweet to me. Um, our, a former guest on this podcast, Austin Roby, who founded Ampled, um, back when the Constitution DAO um, thing happened, where they tried to buy the Constitution, he tweeted, um, and Matt, this is no shade to you, he tweeted, Pleaser DAO, but for bail funds and canceling debts instead of fractionalizing dog picks. Yeah. I remember seeing yeah. that. I and and I actually that. made a song out of that. I actually made a song out of that tweet. Yeah. <laughs> because because it, it, re it really rang true to me, which is like, we can raise all this money to buy the Constitution. Cool. We raised like, you know, whatever they raised, like quarter of a billion dollars, whatever it was. Like, what if, and I think you're on the right path here. Like, I think you're, because because the question the question you would get the the pushback you get is like well yeah but that had such a meme aspect to it and like the only reason it worked is because people got attached to the meme well 
you know, when you start having the the for lack of a better word, meme of the prison art the the artwork that people are making while incarcerated, this like it's almost like I don't know. It's like there's something like really powerful about that. There's something deeply powerful about these objects that people created in this dark space that we're not often, I feel like, um, exposed to as, uh, you know, as like middle class, whatever people that we are. Yeah, I think the, um, if they have access to, to, even if they don't have access uh, to the same materials you or I might by going to the store, uh, the things that are created out of constraint or out of the constraints of the space are are unbelievable. You know, just to share uh, one story of a gentleman who's incarcerated in, uh, at that time was Zephyr Hills, Florida. And uh, he was, he would use all of his canteen money to buy M&M. And then he would precisely cut these M&Ms in half. And then he would use the back end of a paper clip to dig the chocolate out of the M&M. And then he would glue the M&Ms on paper and create the most amazing mosaics, like an entire wall that's a mosaic made out of M&Ms. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's also kind of interesting, too, is um, this idea. There's been a lot of folks over the past year who have asked if they can contribute to the project right. through the sale of their own art, as an example, uh, like a royalty sure. split or whatever the case is. So there's, a, you know, what I'm realizing, too, throughout all of this is that there's so many ways for people to contribute in really uh, interesting ways you know, that I wasn't really ever thinking about. And even other right. protocols for that matter. So even though this mm-hmm. is an Ethereum-based project, other protocols, uh, you know, there was uh, one on Near the other day and there was uh, another one on Polygon, another one that was um, on Polkadot. And they're, all they do is sort of curate and sell artworks. And they're asking, well, can we just go ahead and make your project a destination for a royalty uh, for somebody who wants to buy art where the impact is going to be for criminal justice. And they're, you know, doing that for environmental regen, those kinds of things too, you know? Yeah. I, I really like the, um, like in that same vein of contributing through other means, um, the sort of like DeFi yield to charity uh, model that I've seen with like Angel mm. Protocol on Terra. Um, I think that that would be very, very cool to see here as well, like perhaps the treasury, you know, part of it's part of what it's doing is making interest and yield on, on those, uh, on those funds and directing. Oh, those right. Right. Of course. Yeah. Or, uh, paying those LFOs directly, that kind of thing. Yeah. Originally that was the, the bigger plan with the treasury was to do some sort of staking Oh yeah. and some sort of regenerative finance, uh, for the treasury that totally, yeah. you know, kind of like an endowment, right? Yeah. And uh, and then operate where the community just decides on how those funds are going to be used and which projects and hundred percent yeah you know and there's nothing that says you couldn't you know there's uh, you know when I launched this project uh, I was immediately invited to a project called NFDAO and uh, you know asked to pitch you know at NFDAO the idea of the prison art project and you know I could see also this kind of really wonderful opportunity onboarding people into Web3 where they have this opportunity to sort of pitch their art and their story and and share, 
with everybody what they're doing you know yeah i think that sharing is is really really incredible and the art is such an important like vehicle for that story that's something we've seen with um ross Ulbrich as well and and the works that he's making um and like you're super right in that they they seem to they they hit hard given the context in which they're created ross ross's works definitely um they trigger a, a significant response when you when you see them um, just knowing the various context. Um, so I think that's a really powerful, powerful medium. Just to go back to your story, you were, if I heard you correctly, you were like, you were running a prison system. Is that what you were doing? Yeah. So there's several directors in a system that large. So I was, I was one of them. And my primary responsibility was education, Reentry, mental health services, substance abuse treatment. Right. So, so you, so like you were saying, you just saw this stuff from, from absolutely as close. You know, I guess as, aside from being incarcerated yourself, you saw, you saw the system, just like as it's working, like 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 a hundred percent. You could just, and that's you know, I feel like that's another thing we always talk about in this podcast, which is like, you, what a what a perfect person to be coming now. And trying to find a different, trying to find a different path for it. And like your your story, that that story, you know, not to not to cheapen this or anything, but like the, the degen to regen, you know, uh, uh, thing that 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 meme. Yeah, that, no, that's a, that's that's, that's really the meme idea. that you know uh, that Colonel. I, I I think I think it was even Colonel people that I heard it from originally. Mm-hmm. That's just such a perfect. That's just, and, and what was your very first exposure to to Web three stuff? Like, what was your very first um, aha moment with that? Uh, a buddy of mine was heading up education at a protocol, and uh, we had met over a decade ago, and just to become really good friends. And you know, he was telling me, he's like, I think this is going to be the future, and you know, you should try and get involved. And uh, at the time, you know, I have another startup called Higher Returns that uh, tries to help individuals returning from incarceration connect with meaningful employment. And so I was just sort of pitching him on how could, you know, blockchain be used with this type of service. And uh, he was the one who made the introduction to Kernel for me. But at the same time, he, um, you know, probably my aha moment was when he got me set up with a digital wallet. (laughs) <laughs> and as soon as yeah, the yeah, tokens yeah, hit, yeah, like yeah. seconds later, it was just this aha moment about how we can encode yeah. transactions, you know, and value in a completely different way than how I had ever thought about it. And then, of course, Colonel helped me unlearn. Right, 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 right. And so how and how long? So how long ago was that? How long ago was he telling you that? And then how long ago? Did, did you first get a wallet and like, what was the timeline? Yeah. So the timeline was, uh, I think it was November of 2020 uh, was the wallet. And then Colonel, I think started Got around it. February. 2021. Right. 2021. It's about a year ago. Right. It's yeah. about a year ago with Colonel. Yeah. Yep. Cool. That's so neat. Yeah. And, it, and I'm so happy. I learned so much every single day. Yeah. You know, I'm still involved in Colonel as a guide and, you know, try to contribute as much as I can back to that community and, you know, but I just I learned so much from everybody in the space. It's just wonderful. Yeah, once you once you find your once you once you sort of find your 
tribe, as it were, your your group here. It um, it's it's like true. It's a pretty powerful. It's a pretty powerful thing. Well, so to wrap up here, we always like to ask this question of. Um, I'm curious if there are any any other NFT projects, or it could be any Web three project, but specifically that you're that you've seen doesn't have to be necessarily related to social justice or regen, but it could be just anything you've seen that has sort of uh, blown your mind recently. Anything that 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 has has made you uh, perk up and take notice. Yeah, um, you know, I'm always looking at projects that offer a new way for people to contribute to the problems that affect like common people. You know, recently I saw a project called Soul Card and uh, Soul Card was uh, essentially a way to uh, contribute uh, crypto to homeless oh, right. uh, population. And uh, I found the possibilities with that to be really staggering. And again, also with the same sort of tensions yeah. about yeah. how do you do that's... this in a way that's inclusive, not exclusive, anonymous, not big brother, not tracking, but, you know, uh, and so the complexity of that uh, intrigued me and its intent really intrigued me. Another one uh, just recently launched, it's called Held Collective and Held Collective um, is essentially doing the same thing as prison art in many ways. Uh, only with the DAO component probably a bit heavier uh, as uh, they're assisting people with getting payment for trauma treatment services for, you know, what we call mental health today, but really changing the narrative on what mental health is. But so like anybody could access the DAO, they could, they could share what challenges that they're having and then be connected with a provider essentially oh, wow, in yeah. the DAO network and the treasury is paying for their treatment and their, you know, their restoration to health. That's very cool. One could imagine a scenario. Um, it's about something I've been thinking about a lot where that, that, that first DAO you mentioned, the, the sort of just more broadly uh, DAO made up of formerly incarcerated people or people who are, who are currently incarcerated. One could imagine a sort of network. I, I, was, I'm, I, I always start to think about web rings. If you remember like web rings from back in the day, when I start to think about all the DAOs that people are making, I start thinking about like, you know, web rings, but with, you know, with rails of, yeah. of money, you know, of, of, of monetary value flow and, and other kinds of value flowing back and forth between all these different DAOs and, and ways in which, you know, um, DAOs with missions that are aligned, like sharing treasury and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like where, where in capitalism, or even in the NFT land, you know, uh, you know, different different um, pro companies and projects will buy up other companies and projects. One hopes, or at least I do, it, and I imagine in a DAO land, it's like, no, we all keep our own little things, but we, it's it's cooperative. It's like less about like I'm gonna swallow you up, and it's more about like we're all gonna share resources and like make it happen. For sure. I just these, the, well, you're the concentric rings I've been thinking a lot about lately because like as just a person who like myself, who loves all of these projects, it's like, you know, which one do I contribute to? How can I contribute to all of them? You know, like those kinds of things. And, and uh, as I'm thinking about it, I've, 
been thinking about exchanges and fees and, you know, what if your preferences in your wallet were related to, you know, the types of things that were of interest to you, you know, and then there's, you know, these concentric overlapping DAOs that are sharing resources, either monetarily or, or any kind of resource for that matter. And uh, so that you know that right, right. You know, when you're doing some sort of transaction on an exchange, as an example, maybe, you know, some portion of the fees are going to your preference, you know. And I, I just think there's so many powerful things we could be doing just a little bit differently to keep edging us closer to some really transformational changes, you know, and in a way that is, you know, not out there pulling down lots of news and lots of media, uh, but in a way that's actually affecting people's lives. Yeah, yes, know? And I yes. guess the best that's, result of that. That will be, that will be the moment. That will be after the moment our genesis, somebody will show up on your podcast talking about the impact. <laughs> Abe, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. We really, we really appreciate it. If you're interested, you can visit prison.art yeah. and the I is a one and the O is a zero with the, uh, that classic, uh, P-R-1-S-0-N dot art, prison dot art. Um, and Abe, where should people follow? Are you on Twitter much? Should people follow you on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? Yep, same thing on, same thing on Twitter. Prison art with a one and a zero. You can find Matt at one of the many Matts. You can find me at Song of Day Man. Thanks again, Abe. We really appreciate you being here. Matt. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, man. Definitely. Matt, you want to take us out? Yeah, can do. Um, remember to get nifty, everybody, and participate in the Prison Art Project. Get nifty. Oh, yeah.